thoughts on this topic i encourage you to please raise your hand and join us on the stage thank you so much everyone uh, for stopping by a brief introduction of myself i am dr kike oduba i'm a functional medicine physician i'm also a public health specialist an epidemiologist a patient advocate and health coach i'm interested in all things disease prevention health education and clinician training uh, so if anyone in the audience would like to come up and discuss i welcome everyone um, if you're in the healthcare space we would really appreciate your contribution uh, and of course if you've ever had an experience with uh, medical tourism or you've had family members who have had to travel outside the country where you live in Africa and uh, you've had any experience please come up and share um, I have Inia Bong on the stage hi Inia Bong can you introduce yourself to the audience Oh, hello, Kike. So my name is Inyo Bong, and I actually work for the Cool House. And I was here trying to assist you. I saw it was already open. But anyway, I'm also a, a lab scientist. So I think I'll join you in the conversation. Well, thank you so much for coming on and um, would really appreciate your contribution for sure. Hi, Olufumi, Lola. Uh, thank you for joining the conversation. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and your thoughts on the topic? Hi, how are you? Um, my name is Olufu Minola Buckler. I'm also known as HR Madame. And I run a company called HR Madame Consulting, where I help organizations to succeed through their people. So uh, we help organizations to manage their people agenda, uh, basically aligning business goals uh, with people agenda. Um, the, um, apart from that, I am a, I'm a trained soprano singer. Uh, I trained at Trinity College of Music, which is a conservatory in the UK. And I'm a sports, an aspiring sports entrepreneur. Um, this is an interesting topic for me, but I guess you're still doing um, intros. It's an interesting topic because I've got two family members living with chronic illnesses, and I'll just like to share my experience in terms of being the caregiver and how I think that um, uh, healthcare should improve in Africa. Right, thank you. Thank you so much. We will definitely, uh, you know, get back to you in a few seconds um, after Chi introduces herself. Hello, everyone. My name is Chi. I'm glad to be here. I can't wait for us to talk about the subject of this room. Um, there was so much to be shared the last time we had this room and I can't wait to hear more. I serve doctorpreneurs in my career life. I serve dentists and physicians in private practice. 
I host masterminds so that they have peer support that is useful or that is very useful in solving operational problems that they may have in their practices. And I also provide training for their teams. And in my ministry life, I write devotionals. So all of that said, we're here for a subject that's very near and dear to my heart. And I look forward to speaking to and listening to people who share the same passion about healthcare in Africa. This is Chi and I'm done speaking. Thank you so much, Chi. Um, just to reset the room, now that we have quite a few people in the room, today we're talking about reinventing healthcare in Africa. This is a series that we started a few weeks ago, and we're looking to continue doing these rooms. Today's focus would be on the cost of medical tourism. Uh, just to give everybody a, a, a perspective or a, a background information that we can all build on as we converse is this um, article that I, uh, I read um, earlier today, and it talks about how over a billion dollars is spent every year in, on outbound medical tourism in African countries. And um, the writer was talking about how this amount of money is pretty much a loss. Uh, for the um, continent simply because um, much of this amount is spent in countries uh, in Asia, for the most part India, and many of these countries have actually, you know, honed in on the skill of attracting talent out of African countries to serve in their countries and at, at the same time they're extracting patients from different countries within Africa to, uh, you know, patronize these services. And the issue, the, 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 the issue with this is the fact that um, many of these people who travel outside of Africa are left with really no choice to, um, they're not, they don't have much of a choice for healthcare simply because um, probably in their localities or in their countries, there hasn't been enough facilities or the skill set to um, manage the specific conditions they're traveling for. And so um, I'd like you all to chime in on that. Uh, another issue is the fact that over 25% of traveling from most African countries are medically related. So out of one in four people who travel out of Africa to either Asia or Europe or the North American countries are traveling because of medical um, uh they're traveling for medical purposes and so um this is a big concern simply because it looks like we have enough money to invest in our healthcare in other countries but we don't have that money to actually invest within our countries to build up our um, medical um, our healthcare system so uh please uh chime in chi in Obong, and everyone else in the audience who wants to speak
So let's talk about the data that you um, just shared with us. Did you see any patterns in terms of country of origin or, yes, country of origin of those who were leaving Africa to spend money outside of the continent to get healthcare? Yes. So um, there are three main, con- actually four countries uh, that this particular um, writer wrote about. She wrote about Kenya, Ethiopia, Uganda, and of course, Nigeria uh, is one of the countries that is um, you know, quite popular for medical tourism. Now, which countries are people traveling to the most? Um, it's India for sure. Ironically, South Africa is also a country where a lot of Africans go through for medical care. So South Africa being in Africa for sure, um, you know, I believe it's a good thing for South Africa. But then the, the countries that people are traveling from to South Africa, what are the uh, you know effects of that um of them traveling and moving money, you know, from their own economies to another economy. So basically just those four countries are the ones that are basically um, highlighted here. But aside from that, you know, those are the ones I'm most familiar with for now. Okay, so we have countries that are densely populated. We have countries, these are countries that are very well known. And I say that because we live, for those of us who live in the Western world, many of the people, many of our neighbors consider Africa a country and they talk about Africa or refer to Africa as a monolith. And so they may not be appreciating where those dollars are coming from and to them a dollar is a dollar is a dollar but for us for africans who are leaving to spend money elsewhere for health care i think we should talk about the two two major pain points one is the absence of that health care they can spend money on last time we were talking about healthcare disparities we were talking about access issues and we were talking about public health and basic health education because the target was of our conversation was the majority the the poor those living in poverty the majority of these countries okay now we're talking about medical tourism the poor don't travel outside of the country for healthcare. They can't afford it. Most middle-class people do not travel outside of the country for healthcare. They can't afford it. It is an uphill, an impossible task to crowdfund your kidney transplant in India from your village people. That's just not gonna happen. So, if people who have some means, even if it means bankrupting themselves, to leave the country, their countries, to go get medical care elsewhere, if they 
know the importance or the significance of the poor healthcare infrastructure we have in African countries. What are we asking of them? Are we asking of them to become the voices for healthcare reform in their African countries? Or are we, are we shaming them for spending money elsewhere? Or is it an ugly, ugly combination of both? What do, we, what do we need? Do we need people who are spending their hard-earned money or well-procured you know, money outside of the country to stop going outside of the uh, African countries and spend their money within their home countries? Or are we are we gonna shame are we gonna are we gonna use them, their knowledge, their appreciation for better healthcare to fund a grassroots movement to improve healthcare? Or are we just gonna treat them as one of those social ills that we deal with in African countries? Because the reason I I I'm articulating these um, divergent views is because that informs our approach to the problem, mm -hmm. right? Are we, what do we want from them? If I was a person who could leave Nigeria to go spend money elsewhere, what do we want from me? What do I want from me? I think is the big question that I'm hoping that we can talk about and, and, and share on. This is Chi and I'm done speaking. Thank you for your thoughts, Chi. Uh, Inyobang, did you want to say something about that? Yes. Hello, Kike. Hello, Chi. So it's good to be here. And I think this is something really important we have to talk about. And I'm going to speak about my country, Nigeria, because I may not know a lot about other countries, or at least I know some things about this country. So, yes. We have a lot of people leaving here to go to India, to go to Spain, to go to different places to seek health, health care. And this is because it's a case of being pushed to the wall when there's no other option. Not like we, we wouldn't want to, you know, stay here if we had, you know, good health care system. So for me, I believe the problem is with the, our leaders. And I'll tell you why. Because these leaders, they don't access the country's health care. That have enough money to travel and you know get good health care excellent health care from other countries so they probably don't are not able to relate to the infrastructure and the standard of health care the poor poor standard of health care here in nigeria and i'll start first with the doctors here in nigeria i don't think we have a unintelligent doctors. I try to think Nigerian doctors are well trained and, you know, can compare to their mates abroad. And the only difference is probably, you know, machines or things that they use in the hospital. If you go to uh, a teaching hospital or even to medical students, 50% of the things they, they read about, they don't even have, they don't even see it's like the machines, the equipment, it's just basically theory. So, you know, they, are, they know what to do but they have never practicalized it. And then this goes up to our hospitals. You don't have machines, nothing is working. Like if you go to an average uh, teaching hospital, 
I mean, if you had the means, you wouldn't even want to go there. It's terrible. People lose their lives, not because of personnel, like I said, the doctors there. It's because they don't have electricity, which is very vital to, fund, to run a hospital. They don't have a machine. They don't have anything. The hospital is just dead. So if, if you have people in the middle class that have a medical emergency, like you said, kidney transplant, and they don't have enough money, some of them go as far as borrowing, as far as selling their lands, and then thank God for social media, you have GoFundMe accounts. So you have people that come on their foundations and you know just beg because I need help, I need to go outside the country, and I need to work on my health. So this, honestly, I think in, in most African countries, and especially in Nigeria, it's not a matter of choice because there's no other option. Nothing is working in this country. The healthcare is poor. And then the leaders don't understand because, you know, they have malaria and they are going to Europe and America to treat it. And then the citizens are the ones suffering it. So what to do? We have to work on our healthcare system, our infrastructure, our machines, every single thing. Like there should be a total overhaul of the, the healthcare system in Nigeria. You know, so if things are working properly here, I'm pretty sure a lot of people wouldn't want to travel outside the country for, for you know, healthcare. I mean, you can get something here. Why go out? Why go all the way? It's because it's not even here. You don't have access to those things here. So people are pushed to go outside of the country to find these things. So I'll stop. I'll stop. I'll stop here for now. Thank you, Kiki. Thank you so much for your thoughts in your bong. Those are very, very insightful, especially in understanding the perspective coming from people right there in the African countries. Um, if if you recall, hi, um, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, do you have uh, thoughts on this topic? Um, please go ahead. <laughs> well, where do I begin? We've come a long way. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> we we have come a long way, to be honest. I I will speak for um, uh, certain countries. Uh, obviously, Nigeria being one of them. Um, when it comes to this medical tourism, healthcare in general in Africa etc and it's you know nigeria just using nigeria as an example obviously south africa uh, kenya and uh, ghana for you know as other tipping points and then obviously expanding into guinea and to drc and countries like liberia so i think we had an opportunity right to revamp healthcare in in africa in general during the ebola crisis and we did not take advantage of that because let's just say it was fairly contained quickly, but we had every opportunity to really, really reinvent, expand healthcare in, in its own way to at least suit the common layman. It took this particular pandemic um, to shut the world down, to keep all our leaders in their countries so that they could not be flying some 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 leaders wanted to fly to neighboring countries for for better healthcare, but they were turned back mid air and everything. Um, for them to actually realize that they needed to pump in money into healthcare, right? I would say the fish rots from the head um, because at the end of the day, if African leaders do not even have their own in their own hospitals in their own countries in their own like, and the reason why I said in their own 
in their own uh, private facilities in their presidencies or prime ministerships or whatever within Africa, if they themselves don't have the proper health care, you know, to look after themselves and they have to go to a different country, then, you know, what's the point? You know, given, and a good example is obviously America, whereby, you know, the president of, you know, or the United States of America has his own, everything that he could possibly need to keep himself healthy because that has that is what is provided for him yes obviously he is the president of the united states of america but at the end of the day why is it that our own leaders you know they don't even have the standard level of healthcare to keep them healthy and you know they're busy flying to dubai and india and whatever and what have you covid really really showed <laughs> showed it uh kind of exposed a lot because you know we have leaders who have been dying left right and center around the continent right you know some minister or some some presence here and there and everything to kind of really really look everybody for everybody to look inwards i believe personally that you know um there are different organizations grassroots organizations you know i'll mention one of them obviously dr Ola brown's flying doctors you know who is definitely pushing a lot not just for within nigeria but you know kind of in africa in general um to bring the reality that you know there needs to be some heavy investment but you see we cannot detach the two there's providing healthcare and then there's the cost of healthcare mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right because and okay you can probably help on this one because obviously in america there's healthcare but then it's so expensive mm-hmm. right <laughs> what's the point of providing the healthcare provide you know getting all the equipment and everything if it's if the average man cannot even afford the healthcare or the insurance so there's so there's so many aspects to this and i'll just stop there thanks thank you so much if for your um insightful um thoughts there yes the, the healthcare system here is quite um different you know um, there is a wide uh, use of insurance, but on top of that, the government provides some form of um, health care, free health care for the citizens in form of Medicare and Medicaid, which I do not think many African countries have. And so I think this is part of the things pushing people out to go seek health care outside the continent. And um, not only that, the... Um, the private sector in many African countries does not have the bandwidth to accommodate the needs. And so I think it's it's double-sided kind of the problem being the private sector doesn't have the support it needs and the government is not able to support its citizens. And so people have to find solutions for themselves. So I'm going to quickly reset the room and I would like to invite more people off stage. I do see there is, a, uh, I see Lucien here. You're from uh, Germany and you are um, looking for medical, uh, people looking for medical treatment in Germany uh, uh, you know, uh, part of the people you serve. If you would come up, please, would love to hear your thoughts and uh, the things that you've seen so far. If you've had an influx from Africa to your country for medical tourism, uh, but before you speak, uh, I know Abidemi came up stage. Hi, Abidemi. Thank you so much for joining us. Could you please introduce yourself and tell us a little more 
uh, about you and your thoughts on medical tourism in African countries. Uh, thanks, Peter. Uh, I am Adidemi, a mission neurosurgeon. I've had my family in education in Nigeria. I've had a couple of career training in South Africa. Then, when I was in South Africa, I was one of the big healthcare projects in Nigeria, brought me back to Nigeria at the moment. Uh, so, it was quite interesting when I saw the topic pop up. I like, ah, this is special night. Like, we're listening on and know what the talk of people is about in SKS. Very pardon the background, um, just finishing working out with the team. So, we're struggling yeah. a little bit to hear you. Is there a chance you could increase your volume, please? Oh, okay. Sorry. Better now. A little bit. Thank you. So, uh, the challenges of healthcare in Africa is actually a big problem, and there is no one solution to the problem, a multi-specific solution uh, to the problem. And on one aspect, around the uh, issue of adult pocket payments, which prevents most people from accessing the healthcare, even when it's available. On the other hand, you have the issue of printing uh, of the medical personnel because of poor numeration and poor service conditions. So, even the few medical practitioners that in the country or on the continent are moving out of the continent and which compounds the problem of getting a bit done. But it's not all human uh, rooms. Um, because the um, organization I presently work with in Nigeria is one of the new, uh, how do I call it, solving uh, world funds, and it's able to identify that there is a, a vacuum in healthcare marketing in Africa, and they've identified some key countries in which they are investing massively in the healthcare infrastructure. And we hope that that will trigger more investment in healthcare and ultimately, even the medical professionals that are going out of the continent will now have a reversal of the brain and ultimately now have a reversal of the tourism. So, we can't depend on the government. The government has done surely jobs on healthcare delivery for years now. So, the way forward is for private entities and like what our fund managers to invest in healthcare, and so it's coming up. I can tell you, as because about new projects that are currently going on now. Um, we're talking about the 135 most specialist hospitals somewhere around there. Another one coming up on the mainland, Asia. and this is in addition to the well established uh,
on the east side of that also is to provide the agent uh, encouragement that the medical personnel to know that okay, you have all the necessary equipment and the facility and the work environment which to exist within the country. So you don't need to go out and also it is going to take time. But I think with the emergence of private uh, ecosystem now looking towards us in Africa, I think Thank you so much. Um, I find those um, projects you spoke about quite exciting. I have a few questions though. So how are these hospitals, these facilities funded? Are they funded in-house within the country or it's foreign investors from different countries outside of Nigeria or even Africa bringing in these medical facilities? And also, uh, are they going to be, are the services going to be affordable for the common man on the street or it's still the elite who travel out of the country for healthcare who are going to be uh, able to afford these services so are we trying to um, attract these people you know who go outside the country to stay and take uh, advantage of this facility i'm just curious to know like who is the target ma market and who is funding this and are you having doctors within the country are they going to be recruited to serve in these facilities or they're going to be bringing expatriates from outside i don't know if epidemic is available to answer i can answer some of that uh, kike i know that a lot of them are uh, lots of them are privately funded lots of them are partnered with international organizations outside obviously of the country um based on certain expertise. In terms of the cost, that's why I mentioned this whole cost thing. Cost is definitely a huge factor. I think some of them obviously are, you know, kind of are also partnered as well with certain governor states as well. And I'll speak for Nigeria anyway. People, hopefully when they get a chance, um, they can come up. Um, I want to hear from nurses in Nigeria. I want to hear from um, other the perspective of healthcare providers. But affordability is a different perspective because most providers who are part of the organizing and the driving solutions don't think about affordability. I find that in my space. I come from um, health policy and healthcare management space. Every time we're discussing the building of healthcare infrastructure, the um, expansion or scaling of healthcare infrastructure, it's always about the quality of care that we want to provide or that we want to see happen. Okay, the cost is an afterthought. For the masses, what matters to them is that they can afford that cost. Things are, ex life is expensive wherever you live. But in countries that are densely populated, where a good chunk of the populace is unemployed, we need solutions that are not 
we appreciate the solutions that Epidemic spoke of. Um, we appreciate those collaborations with outside of Africa NGOs who are putting money to build maybe primary, hopefully tertiary, you know, medical centers. But but someone's got to pay the piper. Nobody, no NGO, no not profit, nonprofit organization operates in the red. So the cost, the, the, the cost to the patient and it has to keep the facilities running um, profitably, even if they're nonprofit, even if the sources of the funding are nonprofit. And it's a difficult conversation to have. Epidemic mentioned, oh, we're, you know, we're getting equipment from outside the country. We're getting experts from outside the country in addition to those who are present. Everything he said, that was just dollar signs. That's just money, money. That's, that rings, that, that just drives up the bill, right? So if we are to talk about affordability of healthcare, in African countries. To make healthcare affordable, we must talk about primary healthcare. We must talk about healthcare provided by providers who are local in these community, in the communities in these countries, okay? Once we have to bring in experts from outside, unless they're coming a couple of times to do ongoing CE training, that drives up the cost. Unless they're part of a not-for-profit organization like Doctors Without Borders, that drives up the cost, okay? And so for healthcare to be affordable in African countries, we need to invest in primary healthcare in public health education and um, I'm going to mute your mic as you said in primary health care um, education in, in public health okay if we invest that's the only way to make health care affordable if we solve it in terms of bringing in or building uh, infrastructure that would parallel what people pay for outside of the country they would not be sustainable because the masses are poor. They're sick and they're dying. And it's great to have a hundred and some odd bed facility in Lekki. That's wonderful. But I bet no one outside Lekki can afford that. And even if you had one in the mainland, I bet you people who have to decide between school fees and going to the market to buy food can afford that either. So affordability is comes into play only when we can discuss, discuss basic healthcare infrastructure. You know, we have a school, a medical school that's graduating doctors. Like someone mentioned, um, maybe most of their work is theory and they don't have hands-on. You know, the, 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 um, investment maybe bringing in or now that it's a global economy now everything is virtual now we can have them do more virtual you know virtual grand rounds with 
people, with practitioners from all over the world to build their skill set. But for healthcare to be affordable, we need doctors and nurses and other practitioners, therapists who are on the ground in these countries providing healthcare at a very basic level so that the masses are healthier. When the masses are healthier, then we narrow the pipeline of people who are going in, who are having to leave the country for organ transplants. If there is if there is a short list of medical procedures that are entirely preventable, if the causative conditions were addressed, it's organ transplants, all right? So when we have uncontrolled hypertension, un- uncontrolled diabetes, eventually organs fail. And the only way to address that issue is organ transplants. So if we go back and educate the masses on on uh, preventing, managing, even recovering from diabetes, which is a tough thing to say in a Western, you know, medicine-centric market, high blood pressure, heart disease, we will go a long way to stemming, you know, that outflow of transplant dollars. I hope this helps add some more context on affordability so that we can speak further. My name is Chi and I'm done speaking. Thank you so much, Chi. Uh, those are some really um, deep thoughts there because, um, yeah, there's so much uh, we can do from the pre- uh, preventive care um, angle, and uh, we probably won't be having this conversation if we got that down already. But yeah, um, we have quite a few people on the stage who want to speak. Um, I think, Edith, you came up. Uh, first, could you please introduce yourself and uh, join the conversation, please? Hey, thank you so much. Uh, is that Kike or Kiki? I'm Kike. Kike. Uh, and Chi, I um, 100% agree with Chi. Uh, my name is Edith, and um, I live in North Carolina, Raleigh, in the U.S., and I'm a nurse for 20 years and I'm a certified case manager. So I do case management, which is uh, pretty much teaching patients um, about the disease process and what they can do to manage it and also how to prevent some diseases. Um, it really saddens me that there are many people who are outside Nigeria who really want to go back home and help but it's just the condition back home is so terrible that you're risking your own life. And she is right, even here in America. I ask my patients, sometimes they tell them, oh, you have high blood pressure. They don't even know what that means. People here in America, you have to break it down to them to understand one, what that disease is, what happened, what it does to your body and what you can do to manage that. And for people who have risk factors, say their mom, their father, or their grandparents have high blood pressure, to catch those people on time, to tell them, hey, you have this risk factor. So these are these the preventive measures you can take to even prevent you. Again, our people don't even go to the doctor until they are sick. I mean, they don't even know what going for your face, but they say, oh, why am I going? I'm not sick, I'm gonna go waste my money. So it's just there's so much work to do. 
And if anybody knows, I mean, I'm even trying to see how I can meet with Doctors Without Borders, you know, those agencies like that, and link with them and be able to go back home. I feel I, I'm not doing anything here. They don't need me here in America. My people need me more. So anybody who has access to that or know how to link me, I am ready. Even if it's one or two people that we say, I save, I mean, that's two, one or two people more that I, you know, it's just, it's, it's so sad. I don't even know where to start. So I'll just stop and allow other people to share their views. Thank you. Thank you so much, Edith. If there is anyone in the audience or part of the moderators or speakers on stage who has any contacts uh, for Edith, please connect with Edith. Um, I hear your heart, you know, you want to go back home and do things. And um, I would encourage you looking to telehealth as well from anywhere you are in the world. You can reach people in Africa. Um, I'm going to move on now to Karim. Thank you so much for joining us here. This is Reinventing Healthcare in Africa. Please introduce yourself, what you do, and share your thoughts. Hi, everybody. I'm Karim. Uh, thank you very much for allowing me to talk to you today. I've not really prepared anything, so um, I'm at risk of rambling, but I'll try my best to keep that under wraps. Uh, I am currently uh, a medical trainee in the UK who is a couple of years shy of um, finishing training in urology. I did my undergraduate studies in the Sudan in uh, East Africa. And, you know, this has been a very common topic that, you know, young people discuss um, very frequently. And, you know, we always have this optimism and this hope, but are often disillusioned by factors outside of healthcare and how all these factors that are tied in, um, you know, lack of access, lack of resources, you know, you have a poor healthcare system, not because of just lack of money, but lack of education. So you need to improve that, you know, people have difficulty with accessing sanitation, adequate nutrition. Again, that's a huge issue. And again, so the answers there are public health initiatives as opposed to specialist hospitals. Um, and again, countries need to fund these things and countries that have economic problems are more likely to struggle. Uh, and then you have this, this disparity between those people who are able to access healthcare elsewhere, or those who are more talented, who can do better for themselves outside the country. And, you know, I'll personally, like my father, who has tried twice to go back to Africa to help his own people, but it's like the country will not let him. The, the kind of hands that he has to shake to help people are very dirty if he you know, goes um, and tries to be a straight arrow that will come at great personal expense uh, and is simply unaffordable. It's like the very nation states that you want to help won't allow you to do that. Um, and that's very frustrating because although you're a doctor with a skill set, 
you cannot solve the economic and, and, and political and other barriers that you face. And on that note, I'll, I'll stop talking. Thank you. Thank you so much, Karim, for sharing that. I imagine the frustration of not of wanting to help, but the people you're trying to help, you know, are not receptive to that. So I, I totally hear you on that. Uh, Lucine, thank you so much for coming back in the room. Uh, thank you for your patience. Could you please introduce yourself, what you do? And um, I have a question about um, tourism. How uh, how much of it have you seen in your country? What kind of conditions do you see people coming over for? And uh, just tell us a little more about the organization you work with. Hi, Kike. Thank you so much for inviting me up on stage. And I'm sorry I left. I had to take a call. Um, yeah, so my name is Lucien, and I'm based in Germany. Um, previously, I've actually visited Nigeria. I've been to Lagos once. And um, I do work in healthcare, or I have been working in healthcare for the past 15 years. And for the past 10 years, I've been working for a company in Germany that operates 14 rehabilitation hospitals. And when I started working for the company, I realized that um, we've had a lot of requests from, from people from other countries wanting to travel to Germany, you know, medical tourists that just needed some sort of treatment and i mean rehabilitation hospitals is is something that not every country provides for their citizens in germany it's it's actually a part of the entire healthcare system so it's a part of the treatment chain so after um, a patient actually leaves the hospital he directly is transferred to a rehabilitation hospital to, hospital to recover from his surgery or his accident or um yeah his treatment and um, I've kind of become an ambassador for rehabilitation around the world. I've traveled to a lot of different countries that, you know, some countries don't even provide hospitals. They don't, they don't have rehabilitation centers. And um, I picked to travel to Nigeria two years ago because I've had a lot of people come in from Nigeria, of course, these people had a lot of money, you know, they can afford treatment abroad. And I don't know, when I stumbled across your room today, I thought it was really interesting when you first spoke about, you know, how sad it actually is that, you know, you can't provide this kind of treatment within your country and, and also keep um, your money in your country. So I, I really love that you're talking about this and that you're discussing this because you know, as an ambassador, I also um, consult with companies abroad, you know, investors that are willing to to open up hospitals and rehabilitation centers in their own in, in their own countries. I've done this with the UAE and with China. And I'm actually um, I also signed a cooperation agreement with um, a Nigerian doctor who has a website and he offers telemedicine. Um, his website is called doctora.com. Um, I can recommend that it. it's pretty good, but you know, these, these are still, um, things that you have to have money and you have to pay for. And I really believe that, um, you know, every country should somehow, um, make healthcare a priority 
I think that a lot of countries are getting there. And I think with even the younger generations, this, this whole healthcare issue is being pushed. And um, yeah, I'm happy to support. I mean, my way of supporting right now is just, you know, offering an affordable treatment abroad. But I'm also happy if, if somebody needs consultation in regard to, you know, opening hospitals or rehabilitation centers. Um, please get in touch and, you know, I might know people who, who can support and um, yeah, that's basically all I have to say right now. Thank you so much, Lucien. I definitely will connect with you. I'm very interested in that telemedicine piece you mentioned. Um, I'm coming back to you. I just want to let um, other people on the stage to speak sure. and then I will ask you a, a couple of follow-up questions. Emmanuel, thank you so much for joining us on stage. Could you please introduce yourself and uh, what you do and please share your thoughts? Okay, so um, <clears throat> good evening everyone. My name is Emmanuel. I'm a project manager and a public servant. So I work for the government of Kaduna States in Nigeria. And I have been part of, I'm quite interested to be part of governance process. I was in private sector for the opportunity came to work for government. And working for government changed my perspective about several things that we on the outside perceive. Because when you see things close up, you, you, you move with amazement. And one of these is um, education. One of my passions is education and healthcare and tech. So basically three areas I, I particularly focus on is education, healthcare, and technology. Um, those three are intertwined and they affect so much on the progress of society. Yes, medical tourism in Africa has been a thing of a big issue for a while. Uh, especially for our leaders, not only just, uh, political leaders, religious leaders, and uh, business leaders. We know that uh, because a lot is at stake for those leaders and uh, they owe a lot of knowledge, people don't want anything to happen to them. So they seek for alternatives, which is not available locally, to take care of their health challenges. Um, over the years, I think the government has tried maybe not to uh, another civil level to bring healthcare up to speed. For instance, I can speak for the, the state government I work for. We practically try to um, rehabilitate primary healthcare centers because we know that primary care centers are basically where the communities go to for quick fixes. And within a year, we're able to rehabilitate about 255 primary healthcare, within four years, I think, 255 primary care centers before we move to the bigger ones, which is the general hospitals and, of course, the teaching hospitals. Uh, if problems are probably reported and tackled at um, starting stages, we believe that they will not escalate to the point where they require surgery. And, of course, preventive measures are always very important, which is why personal hygiene and uh, health education is being advocated in many areas in the rural communities where some of these things come for. Now, in the other centers, the lifestyle of every person will determine um, what happens to their health. So if you understand your health status, you go for health checks personally and constantly, you'll be able to understand what kind of lifestyle you can live, not live every other kind of lifestyle that every, every other person can live, which means that 
tailor-made to your health status at every point in time. Not like you eat every that food everybody eats or you live your life where everybody lives their lives. So if you have to go for exercise at 8 p.m. and 6 a.m. because of your life, because of your health status, you just need to do that. Or if you need to cut on carbs or, and focus more on greens and proteins, you know, you need to do that. So I believe that the solution to medical tourism in Africa is more of orientation and education. If we talk to people more about nutrition, eating balanced diets and focusing on their health status. So if you go for medical check, you can know whether your blood sugar is high or you have having hypertension or diabetes and what kind of food you can eat. It really helps and saves a lot of people from coming to the clinics or it's leading up to the point where you have to go for surgery or even have to travel abroad for emergencies. Right, so I think that really helps a lot. Starting from the young people, not not when you get forty or fifty, when your health status is declining. When you are thirty, you should know your health status. When you are twenty, you should know your health status, and keep tabs on it the way you keep tabs on several other things, and make it your priority. It makes it easier. So somebody in his twenties are probably going to become um, somebody rich in the future, and if you are not teenager or when you are in your early 30s it's, it's a possibility that you have lived a lifestyle that will deteriorate your health and make you want to run away now the health infrastructure we have in africa does not truly really support um the kind of health challenges that we have hmm. which uh, i think is one of the things that probably not all leaders at various levels in africa actually are the same you know thinking or reasoning level some leaders are very forward thinking. I've met a couple of them. And I can tell you that over the years, um, a couple of people in the private sector have invested in infrastructures that have really supported um, kidney diseases, um, heart diseases, and even cancer. Just just that some of these facilities are very expensive. For instance, in my state, we're trying to build a theory bed with um, oncology center Right, but uh, a lot of things did not work out because it was an inherited project from other administration, and we had to restructure this whole building to fit into the modern facility for oncology. So there are quite a number of uh, governments working in various various areas, even their challenges, trying to fix. And you know that the resources we have are quite limited, which is why most of the time we seek support from partners, donor agencies, and the private sector. So I, I think. Another problem we have is uh, okay resources with um, uh, with with population. So if you look at the facilities we have compared with the population we have in Africa, and the resources that we have, you have to spend on fiscal infrastructure, you have to spend on education, you have to spend on agriculture, you have to spend on technology, and health is also a priority. So when you spend your resources so clean, you see that men, you can't just go beyond some certain levels in terms of providing healthcare for people, but. Um, the most important part is the private sector, especially Nigerians in the diaspora, needs to put more eyes on, or Africans in the diaspora need to put more eyes on what is happening in their, uh, in, in Africa and see where they can support or bring in some sort of assistance and help to their communities. It, it might not necessarily be government, apart from um, some sort of endorsement or something. There are so many things you can do without getting the government support in, in, in providing healthcare for the communities. And this will go a long way in 
alleviating some of the challenges that we face in Africa. Just my one couple. Okay. Is it possible to ask a question for you, Emmanuel? Obviously, knowing that you work within El Rufai's uh, government, is that okay? Um, so when obviously when he caught COVID, do you think that obviously you know Kaduna State government has obviously kind of changed their mindset with regards to this whole investing into healthcare? Well, you can only speak for Kaduna State, but you know when El Rufai definitely caught COVID. Okay, so before he caught COVID, I know that in his first administration, that's the first four years, he spent a lot on health infrastructure. The first biggest big, big spending was on healthcare because we renovated. Um, about 255 um, primary care centers in all the local governments. So in communities that are inaccessible, I visited some of them myself, and some of them we had to go through, you know, very, very rural communities inside somewhere that you never, you know, some we had to even use geotagging or geolocation to get them. They renovated them, bring them to new spaces, you know, renovated spaces and brought in equipment that um, General Electric donated to Cardinal States, right? Um, so before then, the government has already already prioritized healthcare, you know, for people, and it all the general hospitals. At, at least almost all of them. We have about twenty four. We did ten or twelve. I think the last the special phase was completed like last month or so. So healthcare was a big priority, you know. Then that's on the one side. Then there were some projects that the government was doing. I mean, I mean bigger projects like three hundred facility that the government was trying to do. Now during COVID season. The government constructed one thirty bed isolation center from scratch within the, within two months, right? Just to make sure that Kaduna uh, government is not um, backward in terms of responding to um, the COVID emergencies. So the government actually prioritized healthcare compared to the kind of resources that we have and other responses from. Uh, state governments around us. We were one of the most proactive governments that did a lot of stuff for healthcare, you know, and it's a record that, that the government really tried so much. Um, I think people that have more resources than Cardinal State um, have not done as much as Cardinal State has done in terms of healthcare. I agree with you on that statement, but that's my own personal opinion as well, but thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, uh, you guys. The conversation, <laughs> the exchange was quite interesting. I yeah, I thought that was very thought provoking. Ebele, thank you so much for your patience. Could you introduce yourself and uh, please share your thoughts? I'm sorry. Can I just speak a minute, um, Kike? I've sure. actually been in the room earlier, and um, I've been trying to indicate that I would like to speak. I so do apologize for that. I'm sorry. I, I think it was she that added me to the group. So I've been in the group before Edith, Karim, Emmanuel, and Ibele. So I will allow Ibele to speak. So I just wanted to know that I just wanted you to know that I'm also in the room and I do wish to make contribution. Please go ahead, Azizat. I don't know how I missed. I think my thing is not refreshed here. So you're not showing up um, on my feed as the next person. So please go ahead. Um, thank you very much. But um, I will. I would want Ebele to go ahead since you already called her name. Okay, that's absolutely fine. Ebele, please go on. Ebele, are you there? Okay. Uh, I, I, maybe she received all or something. Yes. <laughs> so Aziza, you have the floor. <laughs> 
right, um, thank you very much. Hi, everyone. Good evening. Um, my name is Azizat, and I'm just a uh, two years post uh, medical school. And um, I wanted to share some of, I really wanted to contribute to, you know, what we're discussing today. So I'm happy that you know, I'm given this opportunity. Um, I think um, because there's a lot of things to discuss um, concerning um, the system, um, economic, health, agriculture, or every sector um, concerning Africa, African countries, and particularly Nigeria. So I'll be speaking from an area, I'm speaking as from Nigeria's point of view, as someone that has personal experience, a few data, 